Uh, last week, Natalie started us out in opening up our session on B, our series B, a new way to be human. Everybody wants to touch their humanity in a significant way. You'll hear secular people on interviews, and they'll talk about spiritual things. And as you listen to them, they realize, okay, they're not really talking spirit like we talk spirit, Holy Spirit, talking to God, God speaking to you. But they're talking about being sensitive as a human to uh, be aware of people around them and being aware of, of, of things. Another term that we use is to be sentient. Are you sentient in your relationship, which is a lot different than being bestial? Being bestial means that I just live my life in disregard of anybody's needs, and I want what I want, and I'll trample anyone to get there, and, 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 and you know, by golly, you just need to clear, make way for me, but I'm going to get what I want when I want it. And, and our society is becoming increasingly more bestial as people are more lust-driven. And yet Jesus comes along, and heaven said this, we need to have an appointment for heaven to touch earth, because my kingdom is being misrepresented, part okay, part really way off center. People representing me. The office of heaven says, the people that are representing me are not doing a good job. And the Bible said that in the fullness of time that Jesus came, he was born under the law, born under a woman to redeem us. And so all of a sudden we see in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily shows up. And, and it, was, it became very obvious that he had great power. He healed the sick. He opened up blind eyes. He caused the dead to rise again. And those were the external things that he could do. And they had, they had intrinsic value as Jesus would cast out demon. How many of you know, if a demon was in you and it was uh, binding you and it's out of you, that alone is a great reason to run to Jesus. But Jesus didn't come just to do external things to remove uh, chains off of us. He came to create a new type of human, of what he had always intended from Adam on, that there would be a sentient, thinking, conscious person who would look like the Father. And so I was meditating several weeks ago or months ago, and I was thinking about beatitudes and do attitudes. You see, you see, America's filled with, hey, let's do it. Just do it. Just get out there and do it. Don't think too long, but do it. How many of you know that's pretty cool, getting things done? Sometimes you do have to just do it. But when it comes to who you are truly inside, there's that be attitude. Who are you? What kind of person do you be? And so we find that, that Jesus coming, and Natalie really introduced this really well, when she taught us last week how revolutionary and different Jesus' demonstration and teaching was when compared to what the people were used to seeing. Jesus did move in the demonstration of the power of God to heal and deliver people, yet his teaching was not filled with the arrogance and the aloofness of the scribes and Pharisees. He goes up on a mountain to speak to his followers like, Y'all, it's going to cost you if you're going to take the journey with me. I'm not making it easy. I'm climbing a hill. And that's, that's your vote of confidence. If we see your legs and your tush moving up the hill, that probably means you're going to bring your ears with you. And then up here, I'm going to talk to you, and we're going to talk turkey about what's really up. 
We're going to talk about what really is in my heart and my mind. You saw what I can do. That's the easy part. For Jesus, casting out demons was the easy part. For Jesus, all that that's external was easy. Multiplying fish and loaves, that's easy. But to train people to overcome all of what sin and the fallenness and the fall had done in the collective mind of all the bad people and all the so-called good people, we were a mess. And Jesus was going to introduce teaching that's so revolutionary that it still rocks us today. One of the main things that Natalie emphasized last week is it's so easy to read the Gospels and blow by the Beatitudes. Yeah, 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 blessed are the poor in spirit. Got it, got it. No, we don't have it. We need to meditate on it. We need to really understand what he means. And so it's easy to just say, well, we've heard those. We learned those in Sunday school. But did we really, really learn them on the inside? Do we think in terms of the kingdom? Do we, do, have we gone into transformation where we say, Jesus, I, I want to seek you not just so I can do cool things. There have been a time in my life and past where I sought power to heal and we saw healings and miracles and, 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 and I've had times where we cast out demons, and, and, and yet probably my biggest pursuit now is, Lord, help me just get my inner fritz under control. Just bind up my nasty attitudes, and, because he that rules his own spirit is stronger than he that takes a walled city. The biggest challenge is getting it together personally, and the way that we do that is not by, I need more power. you got plenty of power. How you know, we, we hear healings and miracles all the time here. Do we need more power or do we need more of him? More transformation where we look like him. Because, because faith works with love, according to the book of Galatians. Circumcision doesn't make a difference, nor uncircumcision, but faith works with love. I found more miracles come through our life when we are full of compassion, when we're broken, and then out of it comes the anger. And you can't take that demon holding somebody. And you're just, there's a passion that can come on you when you feel the compassion of God. Otherwise, we're just the typical beast. Well, I'm a Christian beast. Craig Michelle calls those Christian atheists. That, well, we want to go to heaven, but we don't want heaven to own us. And so now here comes the Beatitudes. And Jesus is, is bringing his team up on that hill. And he, instead of focusing on what they should do, which Jesus was able to do that, Jesus does tell us what to do. But this was not what he wanted to do here. Here he wanted to more directly concentrate on what they could be. These are what you can be if you embrace the kingdom. He opens up this Sermon on the Mount with eight Beatitudes. Let's take a peek. I'm just going to read the verses and, and then we're going to go back and break down some of this. Reading from the ESV, chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now he's going to give them the Beatitudes. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These are all counterintuitive to the way that we, we, we receive teaching. I remember there was a book out on sales and, and leadership called The Power of Intimidation. And basically, it, the gist of the book was to teach people to crowd the room and make your demands premier. And that's not, that's not how God works. Even notice the gentle way that God deals with you. You can get possessed by the devil, but God says, I want you to daily, you choose to take up the cross. He remains gentle. This all-powerful God remains gentle. Why? Because he's not trying to teach us that he's all-powerful and that he, he can smoke us because that's pretty evident. The flood, the flood kind of proved that. But the reason he stays gentle is because he wants us to know that's the key to real uh, influence. Is, is being uh, poor in spirit, meek, and, and reserved, and kind. The, the term beatitude is not from the Greek or Hebrew. It's not a biblical term. It was a Latin term that was used in the Vulgate. And it, it comes from uh, the Latin beatitudo, from beatus, which means happy and fortunate. And so uh, these are the four or the eight various ways to be happy, but <laughs> it's a little different than don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. See, that's kind of like a human, cutesy, be happy. How many of you have ever been happy just as a human? You know, you, you, it's Christmas Day and you got what you wanted, and so I'm not worrying, I'm happy. Uh, this is a different kind of happiness. And, and that was revealed more from the Greek. So the, the Beatitudes, there's eight of them, and then uh, number eight is, it, it takes up three verses to describe, blessed are those that are persecuted. But there's eight uh, primary Beatitudes, and each of these Beatitudes, the verses are opening up with the word, uh, blessed is the poor in spirit, or blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, this... Blessed means happiness in an intense way because the word makaroi, which is the Greek word for blessed, comes from uh, the Greek root ma or me, which means not, <laughs> and care, not fate or not bad fate or death. Okay, watch this. Uh, <laughs> not dead is he who is poor in spirit. Not dead. Okay, okay. <laughs> A lot of times in the Old Testament, when you read the Ten Commandments, there people say, oh, the Ten Commandments, man, what a, what a bummer, the Ten Commandments. No, the, the Ten Commandments were like certain ways to kill yourself. Thou shalt not kill. Why? Because you're going to get killed. You should not commit adultery because it messes a lot of things up. But the flip side, if you catch what God was trying to say in the Ten Commandments is, it, you, you're free to do all kinds of cool things. Uh, don't commit adultery on your wife, but you really can love her with all your heart. 
and you can have an outrageous love life. So the Ten Commandments don't prohibit all the cool stuff. They just tell you that you, this is the hand grenade that you pull the pin here, it will blow you up. Don't kill, don't steal, don't have other gods before you. And oh, bummer, we're not under that anymore. I am. Just because I'm under grace doesn't mean I can go commit adultery. Because my wife's Sicilian and I'll get killed. That's the number one. That's one of the reasons. And so we see here that Jesus is bringing this over and he's saying, not dead, not a bad fate, is he who's poor in spirit. And so what happened in in, in Koine Greek, which was the vernacular that, that, that everybody that was preaching and teaching in the early church, they were using that that language that even the Romans used, which was Greek, Koine Greek. And then you could go anywhere in the Roman Empire and speak Koine Greek, and they, and they would understand you. And so the author of Scripture, Matthew, records this, this word makaroi, and uh, Homer uh, in the Iliad, uh, he had called the supreme gods Theon Makaroon, the ever-happy and immortal gods, and opposes them to Thnitun uh, Anthropun, or mortal men. Now, wrap your mind around this, that everybody that was in the Hellenistic world, and that the term Hellenization means the Greekization of society, Romans were very adaptive. They said, hey, we kind of like uh, the pantheon of Greek gods. They're pretty lusty and nasty. They're a lot like us, so we'll, we'll, we'll adopt them. And then some of the philosophers said, no, this really stinks. This is moronic. And they searched for something more, which they called the logos, which God used to describe his son. And the logos meant the encyclopedia of all things spiritual. And so, so God was already using some Greek phrases in the New Testament to, to uh, communicate to Jews and Gentiles alike some truths. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and he's on a mountain, and he's speaking a, a Greek word, makaroi, blessed. And, and their context is that's used of divine beings. And God is saying this, you know, if you live this way, you're going to be as happy as I am. Only the gods were immortal. Jesus, by saying blessed, means, hey, when you're poor in spirit, you're not going to get stepped on and crunched. When you mourn, you're not going to stay in mourning. You're going to have a happiness that will take you into a divine interaction, true fellowship. Jesus is always talking about this, you know. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Spirit. Our communion, this is our table. This is, this is how we roll. This is the fam. This is the family values. And so, I just, when I, when I read that, I thought, wow. God was saying to these people through Jesus, you get to interact with the ever happy and immortal God. And not just like a typical, see, people that are poor and broken feel really disenfranchised. Some of you are here today. You feel like life is a party and you're the kid that's in the rain looking at the, and you're not invited in. This kingdom, you're invited in. We're going to unpack this a little bit. 
Verse 3, we see the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poverty speaks of need. Financial poverty is the lack of money. Most of us know that there are certain levels of money that you just can't play in that game. Huh? I know people that spend $300,000 for a car. Many of us are saying, man, $300,000 for a house is too much. And so we, we, we see that, that Jesus here in, in Matthew is quoted as saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. In Luke, he's quoted as blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What's God really saying here? Even though you're poor, whether it's just financial or it's even a better way, which I, I need God. I don't care how much money I have, I need God. I'm hungry for him. The kingdom of, of, of heaven is yours. Freely, just go in and take it. It's the divine cruise ship. Have all you want to eat. Come on in. Poor in spirit is a realization that true spiritual riches come from God alone. In Isaiah 66 too, it says, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I wish we didn't have to try to persuade people don't do sin. How, how about if we actually started hungering for God and we didn't need someone nagging on us all the time, but we read the Bible and we began to cry sometimes. God, I, I really wanted to do some stupid stuff. And I tremble at your word. I fear you. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to go before the great white throne judgment and have the Lord look at me and say, I've never known you. You learn to put on a religious look, but you never knew me. You never were intimate. You never longed for the kingdom. You never trembled at the word. Blessed, happy are those that are poor in spirit. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourners have a deep sense of loss of something or someone valuable. This condition is a condition of brokenheartedness. Note God's promise in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus in Luke 4, 18 through 21, he repeats the gist of this promise from Isaiah and said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the man. I'm the man that came to, to talk to the brokenhearted, those that mourn. You know, we don't think like God thinks. Ecclesiastes says that better is the house of mourning than the house of mirth. A lot of times in America, we hide a lot of junk. Just, ha, 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 everything's a big joke. And sometimes, sometimes, how many of you have ever been crushed in life? I remember a crushing in life that happened to me. And, 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 and those verses were fresh to me. Because I was in the house of mourning. 
and and it and it and it brought me to the Lord in a in a better way. In the midst of mourning, and I believe in mourning, if you lose someone you love, cry like a baby. Publicly, anywhere you want to. You can do it with me, I'll even cry with you. Because there's something that's beautiful about really having value of people that you you love. And Jesus is here to, to comfort the mourners. Number three, verse five says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek here means the gentle and the humble. These people patiently trust God to open up doors for them and don't seek to intimidate or domineer others to achieve goals. Just chill. Take a chill pill. Don't be greedy. Leave a little fat in a deal for the, the other guy. Huh? I've got to be first. <laughs> Straight arm the people around you. How many of you know that God can do that? I mean, there, there's, it's not like there's white dog, black dog equal. No, there's like this humongous Great Dane white dog and a chihuahua black one. And, 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 and the white dog, or the, the good dog and the bad dog, he, he can just crunch him up. The devil's no match for God. So why does the Lord let his name get blasphemed and his people get pushed around? It's because God's he's demonstrating meekness. He's demonstrating meekness. I'm going to get what I want. I'll get it in time. People that are patient and wait for God to open up doors are exhibiting that same meekness. Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Everyone is hungry and thirsty for something. But this individual's appetite is for God and his righteousness. Well, you know, pastor, I don't have time for God. You know, I'd be, God gave me a brain, expects me to use it, got to make a living. You know what? Even when you're making a living, you have time for God. I've never met anybody that works 23 and a half hours a day. And I found that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will find that God will be integrated right into your work. You can't help it. Number uh, five. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy can only be granted to a guilty, unworthy party. Those who operate in the giving of mercy are truly touching God's nature. And I'll skip the one that just says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, which is Matthew 9.13, and read James 2.13, for judgment without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You want, you want to act like God? Don't, don't, don't kick people when they're down. That's the time when someone's broken. They don't need more boots. They need the guy that says, no, I'll put him on my animal. I'll spend my money and put him in the inn, and I'll care for him. That's the heart and nature of God. Number seven, or number six, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, gives us such a, a beautiful picture of what this is speaking of, what it means to be pure in heart. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. It means the work of his hands are not corrupted. 
You can't have a pure heart when you have crooked dealings with your hands. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It's beautiful to run into pure-hearted people. Uh, a lot of times people say, well, is this individual smart or are they stupid? The, the key that I look at with people is not how smart you are, it's how pure in heart you are. Because Isaiah 35 tells us that the highway of holiness, though a fool would traverse on it, they, 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 they will be making it on the highway of holiness. So I found that there are people that maybe they're, they're not high up on the IQ scale, but because their heart's so pure, God guides them, he leads them. They're not the first to just join with every rebellion. They just stay in there. So don't worry about how smart you are. Worry about how pure you are. Okay? Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay. Um, number seven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers seek to relieve conflict and bring alienated individuals back into a mutually beneficial relationship. I want to teach you how to positively gossip. Okay, how many of you know gossip is, is, is taking information back and forth? Did you hear about, you know, fill in the blank? But sometimes I've had where brothers are kind of at, at odds, and I know that they shouldn't be, and I do a reverse gossip. What I'll do is, let's say, Ricky and Mickey are at war with each other. I'll go to Ricky, and, 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 and I'll ask him about Mickey. And, you know, at first, it's like nothing good in that guy's life. And I'll pry until he'll go, you know what? Uh, Mickey is, is a good dad and a good husband. Oh, really? Okay, good. And then in the next day or so, I, I get a hold of, of Mickey now. You know, he's talking to Ricky. Really? Bristle? Yeah, Mickey, Mickey, you know, Mickey's got nothing good to say about me. Or Ricky's got nothing good to say about me. Oh, he said you're a good dad. He really respects that. Really? Well, you know, he's... He's a pretty good guy, too. He, man, talk about really run a clean shop. Then I go over to him. I was talking to Mickey. Really? Yeah. He said he really admired this about you. Really? After two or three bounces, what will happen, a lot of times I'll see those dudes hugging. And I go, I'm done. I don't need to triangulate. Get out of the, get out of the triangle. You don't need to control you did what God wanted. You, you sowed peace. They're, they're doing business together. How many of you think it would be great if we would reverse gossip? <laughs> Sow peace with one another. J James 3.18, it's a verse I've been thinking about recently. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You ever see people that they're just around, and, and when they're around you, you just feel good about life. You feel like, I love Jesus more. I feel like my opportunities are greater. And then you get around people, and it's like, you just feel agitated about yourself, about them especially, and about everyone they've talked about. How's your day? Fine. How many of you know we need to be peacemakers and we need to have peacemakers in our world? Okay. Carrying, carrying on. And then number eight, the final one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being persecuted is 
very uh, much a part of being godlike. Uh, the most maligned person every day is God himself. He's got whole sectors even of the world that don't buy into him. Or they misrepresent him like with pictures of people with multiple arms, multiple colors. <laughs> you know, that was a joke. I know. You're saying no jokes, just get to the end of the message. Okay, um, God's maligned, and yet he's not unhappy. The early church, with all the killing that was going on and, and the martyrdom in the early church, they didn't talk about it much in the New Testament. That wasn't what they focused on. They focused on life in God. And they just dealt with the other. Like, okay, yeah. James, the elder, was, was put to death. What? Come on, there's hardly anything in the Bible. Here's one of the 12, and early on in the book of Acts, he's martyred. And it's like mentioned in a phrase. Why? Because, see, the New Testament's not about death, other than the death of Christ and the resurrection. It's about life in God. And when we live our life with a persecution complex, everyone's against me, we're not happy. But when we actually have persecution because of the name of Jesus, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I've come to realize that people speaking evil of me and persecuting me, I'm way over me. They're not, they're not mad at me. They're mad at, at, at Jesus. The, the heathen rage, the nations rage against the anointed. Okay, that's Jesus himself. And that's what persecution, when you understand that when people hate you because they, they find you're a Christian. People that liked you, right up to the day they find you're a Christian at the job, and then they try to sabotage you. You know, well, what you have to do is you have to say, okay, uh, I'm happy, I'm blessed, because I'm actually receiving actual persecution. And I'm in a party of prophets and great men and great women that went before me. So these verses uh, further de define and encourage the believer to persevere through persecution. So, eight major states of being to be happy like the divine. How many say, I'd like to be happy like God is happy? Here's your... Uh, spiritual focus, um, <laughs> God's ways in his kingdom appear so different from the world. <laughs> As we entrust our life to Christ and appear so vulnerable and unprotected, we find that we are actually entering the blessing zone, protected by God himself. Though the Beatitudes aren't given as commands, it's probably wise to move in that direction. Shall we pray? Stand up, with, if you would, quickly. Isn't it funny that when I'm done, I say, stand up quickly. Maybe I should talk more quickly, and then you could stand up slowly. You know? So the day that I finish really early, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go, could we all stand up slowly instead of quickly? Uh, we have an application uh, encouragement here. Uh, read through the three chapters, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew for the duration of the series. Uh, we, we, we like that when you do a series is just to do a macro, go over and over and, and get the content in our minds. Ask the Holy Spirit to touch uh, our heart, eyes, ears, and eyes during this series. How many of you know we need the Holy Spirit to uh, personally uh, impart these things into our spirit? 
You know, to say, well, I'm just going to be more merciful. No, it comes with intercession. Lord, you're merciful. And, 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 and I'm really merciful to me, but I can be cold to others, Lord. And the only way that this righteousness can work in me is to know that I don't produce it natively. But it's part of your agape, your agapal. And I pray, mercy, work in me. Peacemaker, spirit of the peacemaker, the God of all comfort, work in me. How do you know this is spiritual stuff? It requires a spiritual impartation. It's not just cerebral. And that we would not take for granted the power and significance of these words and that we would live them out. I'm looking at you with eyes of love. Because part of the pastoral ministry is walking people through lots of distress. No one loves you like your father. Your father, God, he's not going to make you enter the kingdom. We have to press into it. Dad, I need this. The great evangelist Charles Finney said this. He said, if I don't break before God every two weeks, something's wrong with me. Every once in a while. I feel the spirit of mourning. What are you crying about? Your life not good? No, it's great. But I mourn that sometimes I substitute earth for heaven. That the one that met me and meets us at the point of our greatest poverty, our greatest need. Am I talking where you live? How many of you remember when you didn't know Jesus and you were broken and you were shattered and you were hoping that God would hear your prayer? And when you called on his name, he came in and he gave you everything. quickly we forget is this not great Babylon that I've built all of our lives are a testament of God's mercy that's why I mourn I mourn that so much of our time we walk away from what's real for that which is temporary how many know that from time to time, every believer needs to mourn and say, God, I need more of you. Not, well, the Lord knows my address. He'll chase me down. He does, and he'll woo you. But he'll never break your door down. The devil will, but God won't. 
And it takes a message where we have to begin to long and say, God, like the one woman said, give me children lest I die. Lord, let these Beatitudes be in my heart lest I die. Not death. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Not death, not bad fate. Come on, church. God wants to touch and impart and burn something in your spirit. He loves you. Real quickly, I just want to talk to the people that are here that need God. Week after week, people come to joy and they, they have a need. Something's not right in my life. And that's true. Without God, there is something missing. Huge. We were made to have our Father guide us and lead us. And you may wonder, what do I do to join God? He's done everything to pay the price that you can freely come in and be a part of the family. The death, the resurrection, and the atonement of the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins so you can be a new person. All you have to do, the Bible said, is just call on his name. Believe in the one that God has sent. The Bible tells us if you do that, he will make you into a new person. He will then give you the Holy Spirit within to speak to you, to guide you, to make you a completed human. I'm sorrowful for my brothers in the world that are trying to be sentient. There's something they'll never know till that third part of their being, that spiritual component of God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the Holy Spirit is in you, my friends, to make you really human. Not faking mercy, not faking kindness, but true, working from the inside out. If you're here today and you say, I don't know God, I, I want in. I'd like all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I hear you. I know that there's some craziness that's been in my life. I know that I'm not right with God. I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved by God's grace. If that's you and you want to just join God because he's already joined you, could you just lift up your hands so I can see? I see a hand there. Come on, get those hands up there. I see a hand here, other hands. Come on now, I see two or three over here. I see one back here. Wow, I'm seeing hands all over this room. People that are saying, I want in. I want God. I want God. The Bible said if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Man, sometimes it feels like we're just crawling towards him. But he said, I'm running towards you. I see these hands. Let's pray this prayer. This prayer is a prayer to God knowing that his mercy, he will forgive you. He will make you a new person. Tu vas a cambiar a una persona nueva. Porque el Espíritu Santo está dentro en usted. Es su Espíritu. Es la Espíritu de Dios. Y es un regalo para nosotros. Es un regalo gratis. No, no pueden pagar este regalo. Solamente es gratis en el nombre de Cristo. Pray with me. 
Dear Father, I thank you that you've loved me. I thank you that you've desired me. And you sent the Son, Jesus, to die for me. That I would not be a stranger and I would not be outside of the party that you're throwing. But you have called me by name that you would save me and you would give me the kingdom of heaven. That all eight of these blessings can be mine. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. Take away my sin. Take away my errors. Make me new on the inside. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you today, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 One last quick prayer from me to bless all of you. How many of you are feeling a little stirring? Maybe the Lord wants us to work on our beatitudes and not our do attitudes. We'll get to the do attitudes later, but right now it's beatitude time, isn't it? Who be you? Where do you live? Lord, I pray a blessing on each one. This is a fired up, life, lively congregation that loves you, Lord. They're here because they want you. They're not here trying to evade you. They're here because they want you. And I pray, Lord, that every demonic resistance would be blown out of their path. That they would, that they would come to know you even through this series in a better way. Lord, build up your people with grace. In Jesus' name, amen.